Welcome to the midweek Mission Ridge podcast known as Footnotes. Footnotes is here to give you some of the stuff that we didn't have time to cover in the sermon and encourage you to dig in deeper as you study the text. So let's dive in and check out what's in the footnotes. Alrighty, welcome to another episode of Footnotes. Glad to have you with us here. Uh, today we've got Jacob Croyle. Hello. Rob Croyle. Hello. And myself, Logan. We're going to dive into some extra discussion around our core value family sermon. Our family core value? Family core value. Core value about family. Core value evaluating family. I don't know. There's no really great way to say that one. The fourth week of our core value sermon series involving the topic of family. Jeez. <laughs> so succinct. Uh, something like that. But... Uh, to start that off, let's uh, start off with a little bit of uh, some shortcomings, because yours truly, Logan, jacked up a couple of things royally in the sermon. Okay, it wasn't that bad, but uh, Jacob pointed out to me... It was roughly right. That's... ...that there was a couple of things that were a little rougher than they were right. Roughly close. Uh, roughly <laughs> in the ballpark, maybe. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, the first one that we wanted to correct was I was talking about the greatest commandment, mm-hmm. and I said that there was a debate. This was a common debate back in Jesus's time about about this commandment, and in my mind, I was framing up the debate between Hillel and Shammai uh, about. What was the whether it was a yoke of love or a yoke of obedience? Mm-hmm. Which this is not they they wouldn't have debated the love you, love the Lord your God, um, like that that was the greatest commandment. They mm-hmm. would have agreed on that, and then they would have disagreed on the second, like the how you go about doing this. Yeah, and Jacob pointed this out to me that I made it sound as if uh, it was love the Lord your God or obey God, um, <laughs> which is. As I, I listened to the recording of myself, uh, and I was like, oh, well, that was dumb. That was not even remotely what I was thinking in my brain, and it was coming out of my mouth. So that's definitely not, uh, that's that's a bit of a shortcoming there. So just wanted to correct that. It's not, it's not, they would have agreed on love the Lord your God. They would have disagreed on the second, you know, the second is like it. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Love the Lord your God is like one of the first parts of... The Shema, yeah. So they would have said it like first, like every day. Um, it's one of the first things every day that they would say. Twice yeah. a day. Twice a day. Yeah. Twice a day. That, that's just an easy one for them. Yeah. So they would have agreed on that. They would have disagreed on the second one, which would would have been how do you carry that out? Kind mm-hmm. of. Um, I think was it Sham? How I got? I always get these two mixed up. Yeah. Was it uh, Shammai was... Jesus sided with Hillel nine times out of ten. Yeah. So Shammai, if 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 I memory serves correct here, and you'd have to look this up to be sure, but Shammai was the yoke of obedience. Correct. And that's right, because Galatians was Shammai country. Yes. Which we'll get to in probably a little bit. But And then Hillel would have been a yoke of love. Yes. Well, and interestingly enough, we're getting to something that Shammai would have used as part of his evidence. Mm. Because specifically for obedience, they said obey the Sabbath. Sure. Um, and if you, important. if you look at the Ten Commandments, um, especially if you think of the Ten Commandments as a chiasm, mm-hmm. you know, all the pieces, one thing with the chiasm, it's like a all the pieces should be about the same size. So it's interesting when one piece is bigger than the other. And Which the part on Sabbath was is huge. We read that bigger in comparison. We read that on Sunday with that Exodus passage out of Exodus 20. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's a huge chunk on Sabbath. Yes. You're like, why is this so important? Yeah. Mm. Maybe we'll talk about that when we get to Genesis. Talk about Sabbath. Sometime in the new year. Yeah. Hint, and, hint. You know, Jesus said that Sabbath was made for man, not man for Sabbath. So definitely Sabbath still plays an important role mm-hmm. in the mind of Jesus. It's just that when it comes to either obeying Sabbath or loving your neighbor, Jesus is going to love love your neighbor. And and just to be clear, I mean, if even modern Judaism today, they recognize that sanctity of life 
trumps Sabbath. And so if you are working as a doctor or as a medical, some other kind of medical emergency or first responder or a police officer or you're in the military, mm. then then your duties... Trump uh, Sabbath. Trump Sabbath. And I always wondered that. I was like, man, how do, how do they handle this? Like one mm. of these has to give like the... Do they just stop running ambulances all you know, all Saturday long and <laughs> yeah, uh, that, yeah that won't work. No, it's interesting because uh, in a lot of because Jesus, a lot of Jesus' conversation with the Pharisees is a lot of these debates. Um, and in a lot of ways, they end up going the way that Jesus was debating um, in the long term. Um, there's some ways where it didn't, but there's a lot of ways where it matched up. Where you know reading through the text they're like yeah this guy was right and they didn't always say it like as jesus was right but you know hillel or you know uh stuff like that hmm. well there you go and so that kind of leads us into the other one that we wanted to correct was i said that the 613 uh i either said it or made it sound like it was coming out of leviticus and those are actually scattered throughout all of torah mm-hmm. um so it was a good catch there, Rob. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll for the first five books of the Bible, they come a good majority of them come out of Leviticus. Uh, Genesis has the fewest, has three. Mm-hmm. Okay. That land in their six hundred thirteen, but uh, yeah, Numbers, Leviticus, Exodus—that's where most of the laws come from. There you go. Yeah. So that's. Uh, Little little couple of uh, little shortcomings, corrections there. Real good. Um, the next thing we want to talk about here is we'll just, we kind of mentioned this already, but we'll uh, have a little discussion here about the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mentioned, I, I kind of glossed over this because I was, uh, there was, a, there was so much to talk about in this sermon <clears throat> um, about, because we were taking this 10,000. 40,000 foot view um, of how we land with this, this family value, this, that we value family. Um, And so using the 10 commandments here, I kind of glossed over and mentioned that various people will break them up in different ways. Um, You know, as you look at the text, it's not like God said, you know, number one, this, you know, he didn't give a bulleted list. He just listed these things. Mm -hmm. Um, without even verse numbers. So if you read them without the verse numbers, where would you break up the 10 commandments? You know, if you it's kind of fun to go look at, you know, how would you how would you break these things up? Which concepts hold together um and stuff like that. Uh so yes, various denominations throughout history have broken them up in different ways and you can look that up on Wikipedia. It's kind of cool. Um like the Samaritans had a slightly different breakup. Uh, they added, at the end, they felt like the place where the commandments were supposed to be was wildly important, and so they made that the 10th commandment mm-hmm. and combined the first two. And part of it had to do with <coughs> they didn't want to worship in Jerusalem. Yeah. Well, and they, so they felt... how they explained it. Yeah. They they latched onto that, that the mountain where the commandments were supposed to be was where they were supposed to, you know, worship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think they ever actually ended up worshiping there. I, I don't know. It, no one, we don't know where. There's lots of theories about which mountain was Mount Sinai, but well, uh, it's not. That's on, not usually it's not, they the mountain worshiped. wasn't Sinai. Oh, was it's it uh, Mount, oh yeah, that's right. Uh, was that usually where Gezerim, Mount Gezerim? I'm pretty sure that's not where they would usually worship, though. I don't know. I don't know enough this about before the Samaritans. they were in the in the land. Okay, like they'd maybe. I don't know if they ever. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Samaritans never worshipped there, but that was th- that wasn't anywhere near where their land was. Mm. Strange that they would hold on to that. Mo- uh, mostly as a probably a like, a- if we can worship at that mountain instead of Jerusalem, then maybe we can worship at a different mountain. Um. I don't know. I don't know enough about the Samaritan mm. tradition. Hmm. Um, Going, that'd, that'd be part of my guess. That's uh, you're probably not a bad guess there. Yeah. Um, but definitely, definitely should check that out more if you're, if you're interested on that before writing your thesis statement, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hacks, 
Hashtag expertise with Logan and Jacob. <laughs> um, but no, the, the, the concept of dividing these up, the other, the other aspect is how you, you view them. Mm-hmm. And so I, I made mention of, uh, I think I mentioned Foreman. Uh, if not, I alluded to at least his thoughts. I think so. <clears throat> of breaking them up into, uh, rabbis breaking them up into the, the first five and the second five, mm-hmm. um, being the first five being authoritative between you know God and God and you the the position of thir- authority and then the the last five being relational how you interact with other people mm-hmm. um, and so you had some stuff on that right yeah no and uh, and a lot of this is based off of his teachings um, Rabbi David Foreman's teachings because he had some interesting points uh, for the Jewish tradition as to the numbering um, they they have a pretty unique one. Um, they put number one as "I am the Lord your God," um, I don't th- uh, and I think they're unique in that no one else that I've seen puts that one as number one. Well, that's usually not on the list. Reformed include "I am the Lord your God," and you'll have no other um, gods before me. They combine that into one. Okay, Th- that's kind of interesting. But the um, the Jewish the the Jewish Talmud look is to make "I am the Lord your God" a single standalone. Yeah, and then they have to be. Um, no other gods before me, and no gra- graven images. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Foreman had an interesting outlook on, well, so if we see anything like this where we have two sets of something, um, and we know what a chiasm in the Bible is, <laughs> yep. you start thinking, okay. is this a chiasm? Um, and if it is a chiasm, um, which I'm fairly certain it is, that means that they match up with each other. So we got two sets of five. We got two sets of five, which which gets some interesting conversation because that means I am the Lord your God uh, should match up with, um, you shall not kill. Um, okay, so refresh me here. We've got two different ways to look at a chiasm. It could be that it works in towards the center. Yes. Or it could be a repeating. Correct. So A B C A B C or A B C C B A. Yes. Okay. Um, and this particular one would be ABC, ABC. Okay. So we're looking at it as two repeating. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. So I'm the Lord your God. That would match up then with you shall not kill. You shall not kill. Okay. Um, that one, and, and there's some great conversation there, and we'll get there in a sec. That okay. one, obviously, it's a bit harder to line up what that means. Okay. But then we get idolatry and adultery. Now that goes easy. That's pretty easy to, to connect. Pretty easy comparison there. Um, okay. And we get, you shall not take the name of the Lord in vain, and you shall not steal. Um, part of that, it does it matches up fairly easy once you understand the concept of not saying the Lord's name in vain. Uh, <clears throat> we have a, a different view of that than the that Jewish That just means view. not cussing, right? No, that's not really what it means. Okay, so um, what? Let, let's let's define what is what is taking the Lord's name in vain. Let's talk about that for a second. What does that what does that actually look like? So the idea was, um, it's like because you're representing God. Okay. Um, I've got the image of God in me. I re- I represent God. I've taken on God's name as one of His people. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so if you, for one, you could take advantage of the fact that you represent God. Okay. Um, I think we've all heard stories of pastors doing this or, or priests or, you know, someone someone like that where they represent God and they've taken advantage of people for it. Um, so in some ways they've st- stolen from God. Uh, you're um, using God's reputation to take what's not yours. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Um, and, and there's a lot to, like, don't m- misrepresent God. Um, obviously, just part of that has to do with how do you live your life like um you know n- people knowing that you're a christian um are you misrepresenting god or not sure um well let's go on um remember the sabbath um and do not bear false witness um and this one gets really interesting because those definitely don't seem like they <laughs> yeah, match up. Yeah, I don't, I don't see a lot of correlation there. Um, the rabbinic conversation, at least the one that I've seen, has been that 
the Sabbath is talking about how, or one of the big messages of the Sabbath, and we'll probably get into this later more, is uh, that our value doesn't come from production. Oh, okay. And so in a similar way, when you lie about your neighbor, you're lying about their value. Hmm. Okay. Um, especially if you're bearing false false witness um, in a court, you could be like saying they committed a crime when they didn't. Okay. Um, I could see a connection possibly in that train of thought with if I am buying into the lie, if I'm propelling the lie that somehow my value, my worth comes from what I produce, mm-hmm. um, which once again, we're going to talk about a lot of this in Genesis again once we hit January. So stay tuned for that. But if I'm buying into that lie, mm-hmm. then I'm, I, I am actually telling a lie in that my value, my worth comes from what I'm producing. Yeah. There, there, that's, it's a, that's a flimsy connection, but I, I could see a connection. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. Well, and then it, it goes the other direction of value your neighbor. Okay. Um, and, and, and all these really both, go well into what but Jesus calls the greatest commandments of the love of the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay. Um, but I'm going to keep going. Uh, the last ones, uh, honor your father and mother and do not covet. Um, <clears throat> What's the connection there? The connection there is being happy with what you've got, what you've been, either what you've, what, what you've been given. Oh, because don't covet. Don't like you're you're jonesing for something that you don't have. Exactly, jonesing for what other people have. Mm-hmm. Okay, and your parents like you don't get to choose that. You just get what you get. Exactly, and mm-hmm. um, and your parents are what set what you started out with, in a lot of ways. Okay. Um, and so that's where they make the connection with those two. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um. And there's a lot more. And if you really wanted to like study all of this, you could you should do it for a long time. Okay. Um, and yeah, it, it's all it's all pretty interesting, and and that all flows very well into love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Because um, it's showing the correlation between them as a set. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, nice. And, and in the same way where with the set, you're thinking, okay, how how is loving my neighbor loving God? It's also kind of looking for what's that one. Well, and that that helps make the connection because if if there's if there's a tie between if it is chiastic and the first half the the authoritative ones if you will mm-hmm. and the second half the relational ones if you will mm-hmm. even though I think they're all relational but uh, if if there is a correlation between those two mm-hmm. then saying how I that makes a case for how I relate to my fellow human is directly tied to how I love God exactly. And vice versa. So I, I think that that, I don't know, that probably makes a better case for, that makes an even better case for them all being relational. Exactly. So, in yeah. my mind, at least. So. I like it. I did some research while you guys were chatting away. You're on, just jabbering. On Mount Gerizim. Um, okay. So when Israel was to enter the, when they were to enter the promised land, they were to set up on Mount Ebel and Mount Gerizim um, these stones, and on Mount Ebel would be the curse, and on Mount Gerizim was supposed to be the, the blessing. Okay, yep. And uh, and they were supposed to call back and forth, and if you, if you, don't, if you don't follow the commands of the Lord, this is what's going to happen. If you do follow the commands of the Lord, this is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so for the Samaritans, uh, Gerizim is their, is their preferred place of worship. And we see Jesus talking to a Samaritan in John chapter 4. And she says, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. But you say that Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And she's talking about Gerizim. She's talking about Gerizim. Mm, okay. So this is where, you know, if you make the the tenth commandment include, you know, this if you make Gerizim important and tied to the tenth commandment, then 
you know, I could see how that could just play out in the way you worship the Lord and how you choose to worship. Sure. Jesus says, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. And uh, I did... I, I missed a piece that said, uh, an hour is coming where neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. Mm-hmm. So place, Jesus is saying the place will no longer be uh, central to the conversation. Mm-hmm. And we see in the book of Acts how Christ erases the dividing line between the, the Samaritan followers of Jesus and the Jewish followers of Jesus and how the the disciples, when they heard about the Samaritans coming to Christ, they ran to them, as it were, to uh, to to embrace them, to welcome them into the fold. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I also just kind of wanted to touch on the murder one really quick since I left that one out. Oh, there you go. You should probably talk about that. Yeah, and that one. Uh, and part of those because of how that one is a bit more interesting to explain. Okay. Um, the idea was that um, so when you when you murder someone, um, usually the idea is um, for whatever reason you've come to the conclusion that your life would be better without that person, right? If that person yep. just didn't exist. Um, either I'm yeah, either they're they're detrimental to my life and I want to get rid of them, mm-hmm. or I stand to gain something by getting rid of them. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And then... And which commandment does that tie to? uh, I am the Lord your God. To the beginning. Okay. Yeah. And so with that one, uh, you can't really... You can't kill God, right? Yep. But but let's say, you know, you reach the conclusion that your life would be better without God. Okay. So so you can't kill him, so you're going to ignore him. Oh, it's it's very similar to saying my life would be better without you, um, and so likewise, um, if you're angry, angry with someone and you just want to act like, I just want to act like they don't exist, you know, I just want to get them out of my life. Um, I'm just yeah, exactly. I'm going to treat them like they don't exist. Um, and Jesus, in some ways, I'm going to treat uh, them as if they're dead. Exactly, I'm going to treat gone. them as if they're dead. Hmm. Um, and in some ways, Jesus speaks into this when he says, when you get angry at your brother, um, you've already murdered him in your heart. Mm. Um, so it, it, there's there's so much mm. there to think about. Um, that does make sense. I could see that. I could see that connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, being drawn. Yeah, just be, because you haven't committed the act doesn't mean you haven't relished in the thought. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Yeah. The concept of yeah, just, you can't kill God, so we're just going to ignore him. Yeah, or like, yeah, even or we're else just in the thought of them just not being here. Oh, um, for for a post Christian culture, that that doesn't speak to us at all. <laughs> well, oh. C.S. Lewis says if you look at ham and eggs with lust in your heart, you've already committed breakfast. <laughs> oh, yeah, and so. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm starting to get hungry now. That's ridiculous, Rob. <laughs> well, the more you look at them, the more they start tying in on each other, too. Because, like, mm-hmm. to really stay mad at someone, some ways you have to bear false witness about them in your heart. I've already committed oh. milkshake in my heart. <laughs> milkshake. Oh man, that's just very jealous of Logan's milkshake. I, I ran upstairs and got a, a milkshake from our neighbors up at Baskin Robbins. Shout out to Baskin Robbins and all thirty-one of their flavors, or whatever they have. <laughs> <laughs> and came back down, and Rob was like, "What the heck? You went and got a milkshake without me?" I was like, "It was impulsive," and now now he's hating me. He's committing murder in his heart. He's <laughs> no milkshake. He's coveting. He's coveting, he's coveting. my milkshake. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. Uh, anyway, 
I'm not honoring my father and mother because I wish I had a milkshake oh, right now. Oh, for crying out loud, <laughs> the stumbling block of a milkshake. <laughs> Let's go ahead and move right. Oh, wait, we were going to. Rob, did you want to talk about wedding vows for a second there? Yeah, so something the, about the, the Exodus and the, the Ten Commandments being like wedding vows. Go. So the Jews picture Mount Sinai as their wedding day, and as you mentioned, their time in the desert as their honeymoon. honeymoon. Yep. And if you're familiar with uh, the way a wedding would take place, you have... Uh, you have a father with his son, and they would go, and sometimes, many times, they go to another town, and they come to that town. They go to the well. They go to the well. <laughs> uh, it was arranged marriages, so the the boy didn't know the girl. Sure. And so, you know, the two families would meet. They'd come to terms, and... And then the covenant would start with uh, the young man taking a glass of wine and saying, I will not drink of this until I return. And um, and so they would take they would drink from that. Uh, Maybe that. Reminds you of some of Jesus' words. Mm-hmm. You know, I go to prepare a place for you. Yep. Um, it's up to the father. The father will decide when we'll return. But on the wedding day, you have you have the hoopah. Uh, and for at Mount Sinai, you know, there was a cloud that covered the mountain. Mm-hmm. And... Because the young man doesn't know the young woman and vice versa, and they don't know each other's values, and they're going to spend a year getting to know each other once the the wedding so is. You do co- the marriage ceremony, and then they go off and they have a honeymoon for a year. Yeah, consummated. You know, he's not supposed to work for a year. He's not supposed to serve in the military for a year. He's supposed to get to know his wife and vice versa. Mm-hmm. But to start that process off, the husband hands the wife, the bride, this list, these vows, and it says, these are the things that I value, and these are the things that I want you to value. Hmm. And that's... That's what, what we're seeing at, at Sinai with the Ten Commandments. That's what God the is Ten saying, Commandments. these are the things that I want you to value. Yeah, because it's interesting, you know, looking up the 613 laws... The Ten Commandments aren't listed one through ten, and then number eleven. You know, they're just they're intermixed. They're just in there, yeah. Throughout, <laughs> and so they're valuable laws. They're, it's almost akin to what we're talking about now through our core values, as we sit down with our congregation and just say, "Hey, we're a new church. This is what we value. These are the things we want you to value. Will you mm. join us?" And helping bring God's kingdom crashing into Missoula. Mm-hmm. So it's a similarity. That is good. I like that. I like that a lot. Cool. Well, let's talk about uh, let's talk about Galatians. Let's talk. Let's dig into that a little bit because that's <clears throat> that's where our 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 verses on our core value we use out of Galatians there, and they they really spell this out that. You know, you're a child of Abraham, you're grafted in your family, um, and you wanted to talk a little bit about the concept of the pedagogue. Yeah, now in the ESV, which we, tra- or which we read, mm-hmm. uh, pedagogue is translated as uh, guardian. Uh, a lot of translations will translate this as tutor, but it's a bigger word. It's kind of a combination of guardian and tutor these two words it's a very greek concept and so when this letter is going from paul to galatia uh the galatians would have been familiar with this idea and he's talking about the law and why 
the Gentiles didn't need to become Jewish, even though Paul was Jewish and yep. continued to practice his Judaism. Even in pursuing Christ, he was still a practicing Jew, still kept the commandments and and the festivals and those kinds of things. So, so why did the Gentiles not need to, to do that? Well, he uses this picture of a pedagogue and in Galatians 3, 23 through 29, it says this, Now that before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our pedagogue, or guardian, until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. So if you come out of a rich family and you are... Uh, a young man that's a student, you would have this pedagogue, this tutor that would make sure that you got your, got your classes, make sure you were studying, they would hold you accountable for your studies, those kinds of things. And Paul's saying that that's the role that the law took, that the law was never the answer. And eventually a pedagogue or a student of a pedagogue being an heir, will rule over the pedagogue. Hmm. <clears throat> and so, by, but now by, that faith has come, we are no longer under a pedagogue, for in Christ Jesus you're all sons of God through faith. Like, like God wanted you to learn some things about what it means to be in relationship to him, but becoming Jewish is not really the goal. Mm -hmm. There's neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free. There's no male or female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you're in Christ, then you're Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. So Abraham, it was credited to him as righteousness for his faith, that is the same for those of us who are Christ followers, and we are grafted in. And do we have different roles and responsibilities? Yes. And uh, our friend Marty, he's a Christ follower, but he's also a practicing Jew. And he doesn't look down on us for not being practicing Jews, he he understands that we are Gentiles and there is no division, no distinction under Christ between us. Mm -hmm. And so because of his ancestry, he does, and, and in a sense, like some people serve as priests, and as you mentioned Sunday, Logan, you know, the priests have additional requirements placed on them. Mm -hmm. And the Jews do have additional requirements placed upon them versus Gentiles. Mm -hmm. But that has everything to do with how we uh, represent, how we tell a story of who our God is. Mm. Yeah. And when you see a Jewish person, they stand out. In, in culture, in the world, they, they stand out. It, that's just a reality. And and uh, their day starts at sundown. Our day starts at sunrise. And so these differences are not about better or worse, but, about, but just simply <clears throat> differences just to highlight. And just telling a drastically different story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Um, I'm trying to think. I th I thought I thought I had something else to talk about in Galatians, and I've forgotten what it was. Mayhaps it will. Mayhaps it will come back. But in the meantime, let's talk about Leviticus as a picture for family, because this is not. Oh, this is this is a stretch maybe for some. Uh, this is not when you when you think of family and the Bible. Like, the first thing to come to mind is not Leviticus, probably, for most people. <laughs> <clears throat> um, 
And I think for me, when I was when I was putting this together, I one, I wanted to use the Ten Commandments because that's like that's the wedding with God, right? Yeah. Yep. Obvious connection there, like family, God's creating his family. Okay. And if if God's creating his family there and taking his bride, then the 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 people of God, the Hebrews, the Jews, would be like that's the family of God at that point. And then when we get later on, we get to uh is it Romans that talks about grafting you in? Yeah, that's Romans. Yeah. Right, and we we're all grafted in, which Galatians is also talking about. It's saying that we're sons of Abraham, right? Right. <clears throat> and so, in the middle of that, I'm like, okay, so what defines the family of God? Well, the family of God, like like you were talking about here, Jews end up looking really weird in the world. Like they stand out. Um, I don't mean weird in a bad way. I mean weird in the best possible way. Mm-hmm. Like a priest stands out. <clears throat> It's like with taking a highlighter across. Exactly. This is not a. Page. This is not a like. Oh, they're weird. Like chastise. No, this is. They are telling a story of who their God is by looking very different. Mm-hmm. And so, when you look at Leviticus, this is the. This is almost like an extended version of. Um, so, well, well, we'll use this analogy. If God is using the Ten Commandments as the, the values, the wedding vows, then maybe we could look at Leviticus as this is how we're going to go about being our family. This is going to be our traditions. This is going to be our weekly schedule. Mm-hmm. This is how right. we're going to go about living our lives as a family to carry out our mission, to carry out those values that we just established. And not the smaller nuclear family, but the larger... Larger clan family. Larger family of people, neighbors, pursuing God. Yeah. Figuring out what it means to worship, figuring out what it means to celebrate, figuring out what it means to take care of each other. Yeah. So, just laying that down is, okay, God creates these... these laws that the Jews are then following mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that that's there's it's a really good thing like this changed the world and this started telling the story of a god who loves you instead of a god who's mad at you like this was really good stuff and then i think that that was that was important so that we understand the context of what we were going to talk about in galatians where we talk about no longer being a slave to the law no longer being under the pedagogue, right? Mm-hmm. That we're now, we're children of Abraham. We're we're in the family without needing to become that culturally. That doesn't take away from them needing to be culturally Jewish. Like it's not saying like, oh, throw out, throw that all out. It's terrible. Like mm-hmm. no, that's it's good. But it's saying that that's not like that's not the point. That was a means to an end of getting everybody in. Mm-hmm. So it, it made sense to me that we had to talk about that a little bit as a bridge between the Ten Commandments, family of God, and the New Testament. Because that really sets the stage for that, in my mind. Yeah, and I think what we see what Jesus doing, that, that he's saying, especially in the Sermon on the Mount, you've heard it said, but I say to you. And so he he expands, he he helps us understand in greater detail what this looks like. And, and Jacob, you you brought up the point where I think it's in uh, Matthew five, where Jesus starts off saying, "If you if you kill someone, you know you're responsible mm-hmm. to the court. But if you and then gets down to, but if you just call him a fool, yeah, you've already murdered him in your heart, right? Well, now he says you're liable to the Supreme mm. Court." Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, or or no, you're liable to go to hell. Yeah. That bit. And so, Jesus really saying that all this starts in your heart. Mm-hmm. And yeah, people aren't seeing you act on what you're really feeling, what you're really thinking, but your Father in Heaven does. Mm. And oh, by the <clears throat> way, that person 
you know, there's other things that Jesus this Jesus says within there that seems to indicate that Jesus is talking or just kind of identifying that um, God's the creator of everyone. Yeah. So when Jesus talks about divorce, he says, "Don't you remember that he who created them create he who created them in the beginning created them male and female." Mm-hmm. Like he's her creator too. Like you guys are want to talk about what justifies divorce? When can a man divorce his wife? Yeah. And that's the whole conversation. It's like this one sided. When can the man? When can't the man? What about mm-hmm. the man? You know, the man, the man, the man. You know, divorcing. Don't that was you the remember? Party What's that? Time. That was the controlling party by far. Was the man? Yeah, that was you know, and Jesus says. He created them both. Mm-hmm. Like the creator of the universe is looking at your conversations and saying, you are missing the point. Yeah. Yep. That's why Jesus uh, then says, uh, if a man divorces his wife, he's com- committed adultery against her. Um, and another man marries that wife, he's also committed adultery against her. Um, and, and the emphasis there being the man, because like, you know, God wasn't saying change your tradition, but he's saying, like, if you're going to have this tradition, if you guys are going to operate like this, then you're going to, if you're going to be the controlling party to that degree, then you're going to bear the responsibility to the same degree. Hmm. So, interesting we need to take care of family, apparently. <laughs> Might be a big thing. Might be a big thing. So let's, uh, Let's round out the conversation here with uh, family is not Peshat. Um, after the sermon, we were talking, we were loading things up, forgetting to uh, forgetting to latch everything down in the trailer. <laughs> There's a shortcoming for this week. Oh, let's tack that one on there. Logan oh. forgot to latch everything in the trailer, yeah. so it was rolling around in there. Ugh, I can't believe I forgot that. Like I don't know how... I, I just don't even know, but it's I, fine. I pushed it's fine. that far from my memory is what I Yeah, did. it's fine. <laughs> it's uh, I, I had pushed it out of my memory, too, until I saw the ladder in the back of my truck today. Dear Brandon Steele, help. Help. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> there's a shortcoming. But before all of that transpired, we were standing around jabbering, and <clears throat> I was commiserating that, one, I, I don't like topical sermons, I've decided. <laughs> and two, talking about these core values, but specifically this one, uh, this core value of family, this is not a... I compared it to the, the, the layers of Jewish teaching that we've talked about, Peshat, Ramez, Drash, Sod. Uh, I compared it to those, and I said that the, the core value of family is not a Peshat-level Teaching. Or surface level. It's not a surface level teaching. Yeah, Peshat's that surface level, right on top, obvious. You read it, it says, oh, okay, that's what that means. Um, and then the, the second layer, the Ramez, this is like your your inside jokes, your cultural references, right? Your drosh is a little bit further out. It's in the weeds, like you're making loose connections. When we were talking the Ten Commandments stuff... That's at least some Ramez, maybe a little drosh. Like you're making connections mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Right? This is not blatantly obvious surface level. Surface level is do not murder. Oh, okay. <laughs> I won't kill people. Like you know, mm-hmm. that's the the Peshat surface level. So when we're talking about this core value of family, it's I think what made it difficult, at least for me, sorting through this of it's like, okay, no, I know we've got this, and I know it's good. But how do I explain this succinctly in a simple fashion without, you know, telling it's this it's this core value that's come out of such a broad, you know, you're pulling little bits from here and little bits from here and little bits from here. And why is this important? Why is that important? And you put this all together and out pops this core value of we need to fight for healthy relationships to have a healthy community. Yeah, it's more of an undercurrent. <clears throat> you know, it's it's one of the, it's and whether or not we have healthy community I don't 
the buy-in I think for that is actually more significant because um, we're not going to be able to be transparent if we don't have healthy community. Yeah, we're we're not gonna we're not gonna um, <coughs> be able to care for each other's needs if we don't have healthy community because we're not gonna know that 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 we have needs. Yeah, you know the first church they, you know. In Acts chapter two, you know, says that, you know, everybody's needs were taken care of. Well, how they know that the needs were there, they were talking about it. And that's, I mean, isn't that one of the things we actually hate to do to tell people that we, that we have needs? I do. I hate doing that. No shame in admitting that. Well, a little shame in admitting that. That's rough. I don't like asking for help. Yeah. Um, for sure. I still remember <laughs> Carlos, my buddy Carlos back in Moscow. He was in care group and uh, we were talking afterwards and I was talking about some project on my, I think it was building the retaining wall, which if any of you guys know that retaining wall in Moscow, there's a, I, this was a project that I had for like four years and it never got done. Uh, mainly because the only time I ever asked anybody for help was one time when me and Daniel, Daniel Peterson decided to go dig and it was like 98 degrees outside. (laughs) But, uh, no, uh, I was talking about this wall and Carlos was like, well, do you need help? Cause I know you hate asking for help. So like, do you want me to just show up and help? (laughs) And he's just like, it was this moment of like, wait, no, I don't hate asking. Yes, I do. I really do hate asking for help. No, please don't show up. That's like worse than me asking for help. That's you just determining that. That's you just seeing that I need help. Like this is that's even worse. I I was just this like frozen. It, it was a small frozen animal just quivering. Like I don't know what to. There's no good answer. Yeah. Um, but no, I I hate asking for help, and that the healthy community there of of understand and you know ultimately i think i did say yeah no that would be that'd be good Mm -hmm. but uh creating a healthy community yeah you do have to have that transparency to it you have to and and transparency is incredibly difficult if you don't have a healthy community it's almost which comes first chicken or egg um yeah i think you just have to slowly start creating both of those Mm -hmm. and you're not going to have a diverse community if you don't have healthy relationships and you're not a safe place to be a healthy community mm-hmm. because the outsiders aren't going to come in because they're going to get gossiped about or they're going to get, you know, ostracized, whatever. Um, and you're not going to have a sacrificially generous community if it's not a healthy community. Mm-hmm. Like a sacrificially gener- generous community is going to be coming from a healthy place. So these all of these values are very much tied together. And it takes the whole the whole story of the Bible for it to happen. Um in a lot of ways. Like we see some healthy relationships. Sure. But we don't see a healthy community, I don't think, until until Jesus makes one. Yeah. Um I, I think that's I mean, you see glimpses of it. Mm-hmm. And even then, like this is still a struggle. You look at like uh, Acts, Acts two, right? Everybody's taking care of each other. Everything looks perfect. It's like the perfect communist society. It's utopia. Like everybody's giving to each other. Everybody's got all of their needs. Like this is perfect. It's perfection. Mm-hmm. And then later on, like the church is struggling with all of these issues. And there, there was it's chapter six they get to. And now they're like, the Hellenists are getting skipped over and we, we got to delegate somebody to do this because we're not getting that taken care of. Like, we're all just falling apart now. And then you throw the Gentiles into the mix and yeah. now everyone's just has no idea what's messy. going on. Half of them want to start circumcising people. Like, it, it, it becomes messy again. And mm-hmm. I think the the moral of that story, at least a moral you can pull from that, is that this healthy community, it's not just a thing that happens. It is not accidental. No, we have to fight for it. And and even if you get it set up, it's not going to stay there accidentally. No. We have to fight for it. And it's not going to grow accidentally. 
yeah, this is something that we have to absolutely pursue. All these core values are things that we have to absolutely pursue. If you call yourself a mature believer at Mission Ridge Church, then this is on you, it's on me, it's on each of us to make this happen. And we're looking at the Scripture, we're saying this is what we're seeing in the Scriptures, this is what we're called to live out, uh, we're getting ready, we're going to finish up for, with our core values and then talk about discipleship and, and you know, Jesus, that's kind of the uh, how we're getting there. Uh, this is the what. This is what we want to create, these core values, but the how we're going to get there is through discipleship. And if you call yourself a mature believer, if you think if you think you know a thing or two about Christ, then this is on you to help us make this a reality. Yep. <laughs> Good stuff. And we're going to run into our own Samaritan issues and Gentile issues <coughs> and Hellenistic issues, and we're going to have to figure out together how to work through that. For sure. For sure. But that's what makes it fun. Fortunately for us, we have peace today. It's true. <laughs> True, we got peace today. We're everybody in this room, we're all one accord. One accord. All three of us. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for joining us on another episode. We'll uh of, of course, as always, if you got any complaints, suggestions, comments, or uh just general hate in you know that you want to throw our way, uh Gus at liferotp.org. And uh <laughs> I love it that every time. <laughs> it's dot .com. Uh, it is dot .com. It is .com. I was going to say .org so we didn't have to actually get him, but now we'll, now he'll actually get him. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> I'm waiting for him to forward us his I first, really, I just, first email. I, just, I desperately want that to happen someday. Someday it'll happen. Anyway. You'd make uh, our day if you'd actually send something to Gus. Just yeah. send, sign him up for something. Complain, complain about Logan. Gus would <laughs> love that. <laughs> Definitely do that. All right. Well, that's enough of that. Uh, as always, we'll see you next week. Peace. Bye. Peace. You've been listening to Footnotes on the Mission Ridge podcast. For more information about Mission Ridge, please visit our website at missionridge.church. Thanks for tuning in. We hope the rest of your week is straight up hashtag blessed and that you'll join us again next week for more footnotes.